Let's turn to the Lord in prayer. Lord, it is good for us to be here in the hearing of your word. There are many voices. They are loud, they're colorful, and continuously distracting us from what is true and right and will take us home to you, to a path of peace and a path of, of fruitfulness. Father, we pray that you would speak through your servant in spite of his weakness, and Lord, that you alone know the needs of everyone here, that you will be able to speak to their hearts, and that this would bring forth fruit and change in each one of our lives. We pray this for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's turn together to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4. Matthew, chapter 4, from the beginning of the chapter. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. And he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up, into the holy city, and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple, and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them and saith unto him, All these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then said Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. I've read to the 11th verse. May the Lord bless the reading. A few short weeks ago was one of the high holy days of Christianity. We considered the incredible thing that, the, the, that God himself left glory and entered into time and space and became a helpless baby. 
In a few months, we will consider another incredible thing that God himself, in purity and absolute innocence, took on himself our sin and died in our place in a cruel death on the cross because he loved us in order to make a way to reconcile to us back to him. Those might be often the, the two events that some would only come to church to see. But there was a period of 33 years in between. A time in which the Lord Jesus was here and showed us how to live. How God designed us to live a perfect and holy life. And in what we've read this morning, we can read that it wasn't because Jesus wasn't tested. That Satan specifically made him a personal target and tempted him. And we can see how Jesus responded. And since I don't think there's anyone here who has never had to deal with temptation on a daily basis, I think there's much we can learn from how our Lord would show us how he handled it. So we, are, we see three temptations that Jesus was tested with. The first was a physical need. He had not eaten or, um, for 40 days and 40 nights. He was trying to keep his mind focused on communion with God. And he was hungry. I mean, I think you and I would get hungry if we missed you know, four hours of meals, much less 40 days of meals. And we see in Satan's approach that he comes to him, he comes with this if. And he says, if thou be the son of God, command these stones to be made bread. Does Jesus have a right to eat? Yes. Why was it so wrong? I don't know if the Lord had set himself a certain period of time that he was going to abstain from food, but clearly this was before that time that he had made a commitment to God. But it was not wrong to eat. It was not wrong, but he would come I'm sure as he left that wilderness to some village and someone would be willing to give him food, why would it be wrong for him to use the power that he had? He could heal the dead. He could uh, heal lepers. He could give sight to the blind. Would it be wrong to just shortcut by a few hours, maybe a day, a few days to to satisfy a legitimate need for food that we all experience. 
And we see Satan compounds it by, by saying, you're entitled. You are the son of God. This is your right. And if there's something that uh, we can also relate to is in a, a, a message that, you know, this, the marketing machine will uh, use with us is that we are also entitled to many things according to the advertisements that you will read and hear and, and uh, be bombarded with on the Internet, that you're entitled to apparently, you know, vacations in the sun and lots of amazing things. Uh, and that sense of entitlement, what is entitlement? Entitlement means that you feel that you might have the right to something, maybe even if you haven't worked for it, if you haven't earned it. And we see a generation that feels that sense of entitlement. We see, you know, as the promotion of human rights, we see lots of people who feel entitled to certain benefits. Is Jesus entitled? Is, yes, he has a right to eat, but this was not the time. This was a shortcut. And some, when, when we give things to our children and we shortcut their uh, working for things on their own, we may not be helping them. There's an excellent book called When Helping Hurts, where, where, where we try to help the poor. I know when we visited Zambia, I, I read that book. And, uh, and sometimes we can create a deeper sense of dependence, and we may be robbing from people an opportunity to develop their own strength and ability, and far better to come alongside and help them increase their own abilities than to, to perhaps short-circuit that and, and, and feel powerful and, 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 uh, and like we've done a lot of good, but we haven't really solved their long-term We made their long-term problems worse in the process. <clears throat> when the Bible talks about Jesus' period, here on this earth. He said that he learned. He learned obedience through the things that he suffered. It's hard for us to imagine almighty, omniscient God learning something. But apparently, Jesus demonstrated that character, experienced it firsthand, uh, what it is to have to wait for the right time and to show the, the, the strength of character to do that. And if he were to abuse the powers and his entitlements and call in those favors for his own benefit, what kind of an example would that be for us? who also need to learn that very important characteristic of learning to wait and depend on God, on his timing. 
<clears throat> shortcuts. often are a problem when we choose shortcuts. Turns out every one of these temptations are a shortcut. The next one, Jesus is taken to the temple. Now he is Lord of the temple. The temple is there to, to worship God. And he's taken to the pinnacle. And now Satan is quoting scripture. He's quoting from the Psalms. There's a promise of God that, that God will protect you. His angels will, will guard you that you won't even stumble. Your, your toe won't stumble on a rock. And so if you cast yourself down, if you say, hey, you know, everybody, um, look at me. And you jump down and, and you demonstrate this supernatural uh, uh, ability, then people will recognize. Because, again, the, the question is, if thou be the Son of God. Why don't you just show everybody right here, right now, they're all looking. Why go through this hard road, three years of rejection and, and, and tumult and, and crucifixion? You could settle the question right here, right now. Here's the very public place for which you to do that. You can do that from. See, people, they do have physical needs that we're tempted to take shortcuts and satisfying, but we have social needs too. It's very important to us how we're perceived, what other people think of us. I've been doing a little bit of studying about how, how this plays out even in our biology that uh, God has designed us with a um, certain reward system that when we work hard, uh, when we accomplish things, that it feels good. And uh, a dopamine, a neurotransmitter, is released, and, and you get that sense of accomplishment and reward. Now, sometimes with food, we can do that. It used to be you... You know, you worked hard, uh, you, you had a successful harvest, um, you now had a little extra. Perhaps there was uh, a wedding, and so people were able to, to, to make something sweet or something uh, fatty or something, you know, extra. But now we are so entitled, if you will, we can take a shortcut to getting the dopamine that, you know, we would get from sugar or from alcohol or from caffeine or other things that trigger these things, we can get them a lot easier. We can get shortcuts to these things. And we can make ourselves feel good with, because we are very affluent, entitled people. And just like Jesus held back that power he had because he was considering others, maybe we need to consider whether it's good to give in to each of those cravings. Because what happens with that dopamine is that as you shortcut and you, you uh, trigger these things, it's like any other type of uh, um, substance, your, your body says, okay, if You've got uh, this extra source. I don't need to create it myself. 
and your body stops building, producing it. And when the sugar crash happens or the caffeine crash happens or whatever, all of a sudden you're at a lower state than you were before. And so then you almost, you can develop physical cravings. And clearly this is what happens with substance abuse because that's what cocaine does. Cocaine basically prevents the dopamine from being reabsorbed and so you got lots of extra of it. And that's what happens with substance abuse is that you get into a really chemical dependency because you feel your body doesn't produce it and you really feel low and unmotivated and so on. And we're familiar with substance abuse and we're familiar with, with um, lifestyle choices that we make and, and the effects they have on us. But what we sometimes aren't as familiar with is that even electronics can have the same effect. Even social media. You know, if, if Satan was to try to get a really public display of Jesus' power, he probably wouldn't use the pinnacle of the temple nowadays, would he? There's a, a more visible thing where you can, you, can, you know, portray yourself in a way that's edited. I remember the first time I saw, you know, a family, you know, portray themselves and on the uh, on a website. This was before social media, and you know, so wow, you could really, you know, make it look pretty good. You know, your family has, they're all smiling, you know, they're doing all these wonderful things. Or even, you know, the the annual Christmas letter makes it look like, you know, you know, when we hand out a Christmas letter, everyone says, "Wow, you got a wonderful family," because we don't talk about all the low points that happen and the challenges that happen that year. And in social media, that's certainly what happens as we have edited or, or, or we, we take just the pictures of you know, when we're having a great time. And there's a certain dependency that happens when that like happens on that picture. The, what goes on in your brain is the exact same thing as when you eat the sugar or whatever. There's the dopamine release that, wow, I'm validated as a person. <clears throat> it's the same sort of thing that there can be a dependence, especially among you know, young people that want that sort of social um, affirmation. And so this becomes a huge um, uh, social event. That's the, probably maybe there are people who, here who, who don't relate to it, those who don't have it, but uh, the research is showing that this is having huge effects on, a, on the next generation, those who are growing up in social media. And is that a shortcut? Where instead of making friends and actually learning how to interact face-to-face -face and read social cues and do things that are meaningful and kind and, and helping each other and, and, and getting to know each other on a one-to-one -one basis, we can shortcut that by, you know, giving these glimpses through the... And, and not to say that it isn't nice to follow and keep up with what's going on with our family members and, and, and friends around the world but when there's a dependency on that, when it becomes a shortcut to validation, when it's that that makes me feel like I'm worth something instead of the fact that I'm loved by God and that I have intrinsic value, when it becomes extrinsic and I'm depending on the likes 
for my fragile sense of worth. That's when it, it, it has a lot of the same characteristics that substance abuse would, and where a lot of the loss of what would happen if I had to actually develop a real friendship rather than collecting friends would happen. That we don't, that, that there's a generation that, you know, needs to be conscious in developing the ability to make real relationships because the electronic ones are not the same. They don't require the same amount of emotional involvement. They, they aren't as real. And we lose when we don't learn how to love in person and care in person and make a difference with each other in person. What Jesus was going to demonstrate that he was the Son of God. But it was going to require not jumping off the pinnacle of the temple. That would have been a shortcut. It was going to require going to the cross. It was going to require suffering. It was going to require being raised from the dead by God. All of that was promised. But it was going to require him learning obedience by the things that he suffered and developing a character that the millennia who follow him will look to the Lord Jesus and say, there is a perfect life. There is a life worth emulating. There is someone who cared and was courageous and was confronted evil and, and who I can see as being different, having a divine nature that, that goes above so far above my own feelings because he didn't just give in to his feelings for that immediate gratification. <clears throat> there was an experiment in uh, the 50s here in Canada in McGill University. In, uh, there was a, a couple of researchers and they were trying to work with rats in a, in a cage and um, they wanted to see that if they gave the, the rat, they had a little electrode in his head and if, if, if he went to a certain bar, he was supposed to get a little shock and then they would say, is he going to remember to avoid that path? You know, how, how quickly do they learn to this negative stimulus was the, the idea. But with the one rat, it just didn't, it worked opposite. They, the rat just loved that, pressing that bar and they couldn't figure out what was wrong with it. And uh, in fact, the rat began to ignore water, food, everything, to press the bar that was supposed to give it pain. And uh, in fact, it, it died from, ex from exhaustion as it ignored its real needs to get that, that, uh, that sensation. And they looked at it and they found out that the probe was bent and, and the that went to the wrong part of the brain and it ended up going to part of the brain, uh, the dorsal section that gave it pleasure instead of pain. And that's, that's what happened. And so we see this rat was getting a shortcut, if you will, to pleasure because it had access to it. Didn't have access to it before. It would have to run to the end of the maze and get the cheese and then it would get its dopamine. But now it had a shortcut. 
and it used that shortcut and that short-circuited, if you will, its own self-preservation, its own sense of what do I need to become a healthy rat? I need to drink, I need to eat, I need to exercise, I need to do something other than just press this bar that's giving me this instant uh, pleasurable sensation. Now we have access to lots of bars in our life that uh, will give us this kind of dopamine fix. The, the, the God's given and designed us that we will feel good when we accomplish good things, when we, you know, accomplish goals and so on. But yet, you know, we, we can short circuit when these things are out of balance, even workaholism, right? Where it's not about abusing a substance, but I feel validated. Then the next temptation here that Jesus faces, he's, he's taken to a, a high mountain, and he's shown the, all the kingdoms, the dominions of this world. And he's uh, all the glorious things about each of these civilizations. And, and he's promised, you can have this right now. All you got to do, you know, <laughs> literally the devil is in the details here. All you have to do is worship me, the devil, and then you have all of this. Now, does Jesus have a right? Is he entitled to all the kingdoms and the glory of the world? Yes, he is. It's promised that he will, uh, everything, every kingdom will be subject to him. This was something that he was going to receive. This was just getting it ahead of time. Through this shortcut, that would have totally blown everything that he stood for. That would have been the same thing that happened with Adam and Eve as they chose to disobey God and want their own independence, take a shortcut to the knowledge of good and evil. He was going to take a shortcut to the, to the glory of all the kingdoms of this world, and there would have been no cross. You and I would not be here today. We would have no hope because the second Adam would have failed just the same way as the first Adam did. But you and I, we also have an opportunity for, for good things in this life. When we work, we get a sense that we have accomplishing things. We get maybe positive feedback from our clients and our bosses and so on, and we get financial feedback. Those are good things. They're things that we have a, a right to. But if that becomes a bar that we get our our sense of worth from and that we return to and we find easier to get that from than the whole person, including the spiritual dimension where our worth really needs to be rooted in the fact that we are created in the image of God, that we are so loved that Jesus came and died for us, that the Holy Spirit is willing to come and live inside of us and to give us that personal guidance and direction. If, if the, the fact that God himself is willing to call us son and daughter and that we are precious to him, if that isn't where we're getting our worth, instead it's through some of these other more shortcut ways to validation, maybe more immediate, more uh, quicker path to dopamine, then we will lose out. 
We will become like our, that rat that, that lost the big picture and zeroed in on the one thing and began to short circuit through that shortcut. So there are lots of healthy things that we can be involved in. We, whether it's, you know, there's dopamine that we get when we purchase something. I remember John Ton that, you know, he, he was not yet uh, a believer and he would pick me up on the way to work and he was just really excited about, you know, the fact that he bought this new fancy green um, Jeep, you know, and it had all these new bells and whistles and he felt up, right, you know, for about three weeks, right? And then that wore off, right? And then there had to be something else that would also pick him up. And there's that this, when we are looking to things to give us that fix, to pick us up, to make us feel better about ourselves, and we're not looking to the source, we are setting ourselves up to become, instead of masters, slaves, to the thing that we see, that, that we see now this rat is a slave to this, this, this bar of its cage, this lever that it pushes as they reproduce the, the, the experiment later. We know that's what Satan wants. Satan is not going to take you to the pinnacle of, the table, the, of a temple. He may not show you the kingdoms of this world. He may not, you know, wait till you've not eaten for 40 days. But he will test you in very similar ways. These, the, the electronics we have access to today are, are new forms of shortcuts. Just like we have access to food at an unprecedented level, as we have access to social feedback at an unprecedented level, we have access to virtual worlds where young men and young women can feel powerful because they are making progress and becoming more capable and bigger challenges. You see, there's a science to this that, that um, is being studied and being used. There's, there's this zone of the flow, you see. There's a part where you're under-challenged, you're bored, and then there's a part where it's, you're overwhelmed, where it's too hard, and there's a part in between. And, and there's lots of, of things that's, you know, even work, they call it gamification, as they try to make education like a video game, because video games are known to kind of make you learn while you're having fun. But as we use this video game feedback where you're in this just increasing challenge that gets you to the point where you feel like you're getting better and stronger and more capable and you're seeking your glory, if you will. And there's, the, the, and there's no stop uh, signal that's happening because you're on a roll. And this can happen from the, the most trivial thing. In fact, the most popular video game was Tetris uh, by a long shot. And then, you know, it was a few years ago, there was that one, uh, was it 48 or something, where you had to get the numbers to add up and they would collapse and candy crush and so on. You get all these things that kind of give you this sense of accomplishment and whatever it is. But we can get sucked in to things that get us focused on something that will not help our our own development, spiritually, physically, 
uh, the development of our nuclear families, the development of our church family, the development of God's kingdom gets neglected because we're focused on some local source of dopamine, a local reward system, a shortcut to making ourselves feel good about ourselves. When God says, look to me, you don't need to feel insecure about whether you uh, are good enough, whether your image is good enough, whether you've accomplished enough, whether I love you, I made you, I know you, I know the hairs on your head, every one of them. I care about you to the extent that I'm willing to enter in, to suffer these things, to take your horror of sin on me, to give you a chance for an intimate relationship, because I know that's what you're really looking for. You're wired for relationship. That's why a lot of this social thing is being driven by your need for relationship. And as you look to satisfy in a way that will keep you lonely, it makes God so sad. When he sees a generation that has unprecedented power, unprecedented resources, and we focus on these local sources of feel-good as opposed to the limitless power he has and that we could be conduits, we could use these resources. We could use them to, to build each other up, to meet the need of a very hurting world where there is a disparity of resources, where there is true need. Because that's what Jesus did. He saw through each one of these attempts to get him feeling entitled, to make him feeling, I, I deserve to feel good right now. I deserve to do this for me. And to, to stick to the mission, the plan, the purpose that God had for him. And that's why he accomplished the greatest for each one of us. And he had to do it. He was even alone at that moment on the cross where God himself had to turn back on him. But you and I never have to be alone. You and I can have the Lord, the Holy Spirit within us, encouraging, guiding, strengthening, enabling us along the way that we can also have a fruitful life, a life that has not only potential, but a life that has purpose and that, has, uh, that, that is a blessing to ourselves and to others as we follow his amazing example. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. The word that was read says that Jesus was led in the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Thoughts come to mind, how did that devil appear? Did he have horns? Did he have a tail, a pitchfork? I don't think so. The Bible says sometimes the devil comes as an angel of light. Sometimes even somebody close to us with good intentions is used by the devil. Remember Peter, how 
he told the Lord, that shall not happen to you to suffer and die. And the Lord turned to him and said, get thee behind me, Satan. So how can we tell then if it is a temptation from the devil? By the scripture. Jesus Christ, in what we read, used the scripture to answer the devil. The light of the scripture should help us to identify what a temptation is and where it comes from. The Lord, when he ascended on high, he sent his spirit to his children and said, he will remind you of the things that I taught on you. But unless you have read the scripture, unless you have heard the scripture, how can the Holy Spirit remind you? So we need to read the scripture and then heed the spirit that will remind us when we are faced with a temptation. We know that Jesus, although he has fed thousands and healed many, yet he did not use the power through the spirit for his own needs. He wasn't hungered. He was tired. He suffered. He didn't use all that power so that he can be a faithful example to us. Let's heed it. Let's approach the scripture with a humble attitude so that the spirit can also remind us when we are tempted. And sometimes, you know, whenever our own need is in question, our own desires, let's be very careful. Let's be very careful. It may not be the time Jesus Christ said, I honor my father. He waited on his father to decide what he should do. That way he could say, whatever I do, it is what my father tells me to do. And it was the time too, to wait on the father. And he recognized the temptation and answered in the right way. To God be all the honor, glory, evermore, amen. This concludes our service. <laughs>